Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right. Yeah. Our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up! Get your sorry ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Dang, dang! Time is on the word! Hey, six. I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner, coach, you need some help. We're gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. And you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Dennis Bennett, at Culture underscore Coach on Twitter. We're just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons, and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio. We have Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, all on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the best NFL, baseball, basketball stats, and the hardest to find in the industry, college football stats. Some of the best, I am telling you guys, if you follow me on Twitter, you see all the stuff that I post about college players and prospects. I get all of my stats from their website. For just $15 a year, you can get access to all of this. Not only is that the best deal in the industry right now, but if you use our code ROUNDTABLE when you sign up, you get 10% off of that as well, which makes that deal even better. If you're looking to scout this coming prospect, the coming prospects in the 2020 class, if you're out of it, if you know you're not winning it this year and you want to start getting a jump on your competition check out this website as it'll give you an inside look stats wise analytically at all of these prospects it is well worth your time and money for today's podcast dennis is jumping on with me and as we do every friday we will recap the thursday night football game of course we had three this week as it was thanksgiving and then we will jump in and preview the rest of the pivotal week 13 matchups (laughs) 
And as always on our Friday shows, we've got Mr. Dennis Bennett back with us today to recap the uh, Thanksgiving football game, so three of them to go over. And then we're going to come in and preview the rest of Week 13, the last game of the regular season, which is just insane to think we're already through uh, 12 weeks of the NFL season, and by Monday, 13 weeks. Dennis, we missed you last week. Obviously, we both had some scheduling stuff going on. So how the hell are you? How has your fantasy been going for you? And how's everything been going? How was your Thanksgiving? Man, well, let's start with Thanksgiving. Family first. And that was great. Had some <laughs> uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law in from Cleveland. Uh, my mom and my oldest son uh, were over. So there were eight of us. Drama-free. It was fantastic. The food was delicious. And, uh, you know, I... Uh, I ate too much, but you know that's what Thanksgiving's for, I guess. Exactly. So today I'm in recovery. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I love eating too much. That's the best part of Thanksgiving. Probably why it's the best holiday, in my opinion, outside of Christmas. Yeah. Well, fantasy-wise, I was I was kind of tallying it up earlier, and so I posted it in one of our chats. Let me find it here. I uh, so my I'm in 22 leagues. I've clinched a playoff spot in seven. Uh, I didn't check to see how many buys. I've got four games this weekend where I win and I'm in. So potentially I'm in the playoffs in 11 leagues. Uh, I have two I need to win plus have, you know, one or two other things happen uh, to be to be in the playoffs. So that puts me at possibly 13 playoff teams. Uh, I've got two Very complete nice. rebuilds that we're going into the, the season, have three combined wins somehow. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that's three more wins than I expected them to have. Uh, and then seven teams that are just kind of, you know, they're they're kind of in limbo, and I'm going to have to do some work and figure out what direction they're going this offseason. So. But I made the playoffs in the Scott Fish Bowl, so that's a good thing. That is. Uh, so tell, tell me about the Scott Fish Bowl really quick. I, I know there's something uh, you want to promo with the Nerd Herd real quick. Let's talk about the Scott Fish Bowl. I obviously am not in that. Explain that really quick and then give us uh, all the info you've got on this wonderful deal that's going on with the Nerd Herd. Well, the Scott Fish Bowl, you know, Scott has this uh, charity called Fantasy Cares. And last year it raised almost $45,000 uh, for Toys for Tots. And uh, this year, the league expanded from 900 teams to 1,200 teams. So that is 112 team divisions uh, that he runs. And so it's it's analyst versus fan. Uh, it's to raise money for charity. I, I, I think they've already broken the record set last year. Uh, I, I know John Bosch, who runs the Fantasy Cares Eliminators, went on a, a – it looked, if I remember correctly, his tweet, it was a $10,000, uh, shopping spree at Target for Toys for Tots, uh, over, uh, last weekend uh, to get things started. So, uh, Fantasy Cares and, uh, you know, those associated with it are, are on their way to making Christmas spectacular for a whole bunch of kids that, uh, uh, might otherwise not have such a great Christmas. So it's, it's really a cool thing. You can go, uh, Get signed up to be considered at, at fantasycares.net. Uh, you know, there, there's certainly no guarantees you'll get in. Uh, it's one of those things, you know, there was a big write up last year in the athletic, uh, about Scott Fish and the Scott Fish Bowl. Um, you know, it's a very prestigious thing to, uh, to be a part of. And the, the cause is something you just can't beat. Uh, so for me, I finished fourth in my division. Uh, 
you know, the, the scoring, there's bonus scoring for different things. Uh, one guy I saw made the playoffs, not in my division, but another division, uh, with a two and 10 record, he made the playoffs. Wow. So, so there's, you get certain, I, I, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I, you know, apparently it looked like his average score, it, it seems like Virtually every week he played the highest scorer in the league except twice. Okay. So <laughs> he got credit for some of that. You know, with it, there, there's big bonus points for yardage uh, in the Scott Fish Bowl. Um, so it's interesting. You know, my team, I have uh, – I, I drafted Cam Newton as my quarterback. It's a super flex league. Uh, I don't have him. I currently have uh, Daniel Jones and I believe Kirk Cousins is my other one. Zeke Elliott and Marlon Mack at running back. I, I, I lost Mack for a while now, but I do have Devin Singletary. Um, you know, overall, I finished seven and five uh, with a seven and five record, but I did score enough points to make the playoffs. So uh, I'm excited. We'll see. I didn't get a bye this weekend. So uh, I'll wait until Tuesday and see if I advance to the next round. Well, I hope you do, obviously, being able to kind of represent uh, a bunch of us, including this podcast and yourself, obviously, in the Scott Fishball. I'd love to see uh, see how far you can go. Uh, tell us about the Nerd Herd thing, though. They've got a big promo going on. If you follow them on Twitter, you've likely seen some of it. If you don't, tell them what they've got going on here for Black Friday. So for Black Friday this weekend, if you sign up for the Nerd Herd, an annual membership, uh, for twenty four ninety nine, which is about thirty percent off, if you go with the monthly two ninety nine, so it's thirty thirty one percent off. Uh, use code NerdHerd two zero one nine for that annual membership. You get access to uh, uh, NerdHerd podcast, which are behind the wall, um, the buy sell tool, all of our rankings. We rank. Standard, super flex, tight end, premium, Devi rankings, rookie rankings. Uh, we'll just we'll we'll be getting ready to roll out a new set of rookie rankings here in a few weeks once the season ends, uh, and we start getting a feel for who's going to be in the 2020 rookie pool and who's not going to be. Uh, but it's a great deal. We got the Dynasty Prospect film room. We have almost a hundred cut game cut ups for dynasty fantasy prospects in there. It's uh it's just something that's it's it's a great tool. If winning dynasty leagues is the way to the way that you like to roll, uh this is a, a no brainer here for only twenty four ninety nine. Uh remember that's code nerdherd two zero one nine no spaces. Uh, on the tweet it doesn't have any capitals either, so I'm not sure if that matters or not. But uh we thank those that uh are already members of the Nerd Herd, and good luck to everybody in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And just to throw my two cents in there, before we get to the game reviews, the film room alone is worth the admission, and that's not even counting everything else you get with that. What Jared and Garrett have done with that is just phenomenal. Gives you a chance to look at, not every single prospect, but they're getting to putting all kinds of prospects in there. They go to actual games Every single touch they have in that game so you get to see the good and the bad, not just the highlights that you can find on YouTube and everything. So it's a really good way to scout prospects if that's the kind of way you want to go about it. That alone, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, is, is worth the price of admission. That doesn't count the rankings, the articles, everything else that comes along with it, the buy-sell tool. So it is well worth it, guys. Jump in there. Get your subscriptions now. You guys will not 
you guys will not be be uh man, I can't think of the word that I wanted to use right there. I will was not trying. regret it. Yeah, there we go. You will not regret it one bit, I promise you that. With all that being said, let's jump in. Let's talk about the Turkey Day games that happened yesterday. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. You got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only they tackle them the 40 yard line. Who can make a play? I can! So we had three games go down yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, none of them were, were that good. Or I guess I can't say the last one. I, w- I spent time with uh, my sister-in-law during the Saints-Falcons game, and she is uh, not at all into sports, so I was not able to watch most of that game. But the very first game, the Lions and the Bears. The Bears won that one 24-10. Mitch Trubisky uh, goes for three touchdowns in this one. I guess, in a way, kind of saves uh, his uh, starting job. There's still a lot of talk about him possibly not being the starter there in Chicago next year. But Mitch Trubisky, 29-38, 338 yards, three touchdowns and one interception, brings you 24.9 fantasy points. David Montgomery, me and uh, Matt talked about it on the Tuesday podcast. I felt with the matchup, he was a good play this week. 75 yards, 16 carries, does add two catches for 12 yards, one of those being a touchdown grab at the end of the game to get you 15.7 points. A-Rob continues to be the best player on the Bears. 86 yards and a touchdown on eight grabs to come in at 18.6 points. And Anthony Miller, for the second week in a row, pops up in the fantasy box score here. 140 yards on nine catches to come in at 18.5 points. So Miller has a good game. Montgomery, I think, is matchup base for you. Uh, moving forward, He obviously we know he has the skills. Me and you are both big fans of his. But right now, it just looks like with the way he's used, it's got to be matchup based. A-Rob is the only guy, in my opinion, that is trustworthy to play every single week. I want to talk to you about Anthony Miller. He's a guy that you were high on coming into this year. Obviously started off the year hurt. Then we've seen Mitch get hurt and really not play well. Are you trusting Anthony Miller at all moving forward now into the fantasy playoffs? Yeah, I I think Miller falls into the same uh, category as Montgomery. Okay. Uh, I just don't think you can trust Mitch to get the ball consistently to two wide receivers. And, and Allen Robinson is the number one there. Miller looked fantastic yesterday. Yeah, he made he some nice catches. It was he's a good wide receiver. I just don't think that that offense has the overall firepower to consistently support two wide receivers at a high level. So it'll be touch and go with Miller. Um, occasionally he'll have a game like he did yesterday and. and a-Rob may be a complete dud, but more often than not, it's going to be A-Rob with a fairly consistent production level, and then occasionally Anthony Miller is going to pop up with a big game. Uh, you know, it, it, I'd love it if they could figure out a way to clone yesterday's production. Yeah. And that was that was a great game, and granted, it was against my Lions, and so it kind of <laughs> tears me up a little bit. But I, I like to see offensive I, – I like big plays on defense and offensive production. You know, Big plays are, are great, interceptions, fumbles, whatnot, sacks. Uh, those are what score in IDP leagues. But getting the offensive production is what drives fantasy football for the most part. And so you like to see uh, 
games like yesterday where the quarterback has you know 300 plus yards and three touchdowns uh wide receivers are catching eight nine ten balls getting up around or over 100 yards with a touchdown and the running backs putting up you know 80 90 100 yards and a touchdown those are all things you want to see out of an offense i don't think we can trust chicago to be that offense uh i i agree with your earlier statement Allen robinson is really the only one that is trustworthy on a week-to-week basis Speaking of your Lions, they actually put up a pretty good game here. They had the rookie, undrafted rookie David Blau from Purdue, who, if you are a Buckeyes fan, know was one who uh, kind of destroyed our season a year ago uh, with Dwayne Haskins, just a horrible outing for the Buckeyes. And David Blau really was the one of the main reasons behind that with Rondell Moore. He goes 22-38, 280 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Comes in with 18.3 points. Bo Scarborough continues to lead this team in carries. 21 carries, 83 yards. Doesn't do anything really in the receiving game. Gets you 8.3 points. Kenny Galladay balls out in this one. Now most of it does come on the one big play. Gets you the 75-yard touchdown on the first pass of David Blau's career and the first pass of the game. Four catches, 158 yards and a touchdown, 23.8 points. And then Marvin Jones has himself a a decent wide receiver two-day likely as well. 40 yards, three catches on one touchdown, 11.5 points. Galladay, I'm hoping you guys left him in. Me and Matt had a little bit of a discussion about that on Tuesday. I said he would be the only one that I would trust in this game, even if Driscoll was out, because at that time we weren't sure if Driscoll was going to play or not. I chickened out and pulled him out of a lineup that morning when I found out David Blau was playing, and I paid the consequences for that as he goes again off for 23 points. So hopefully you guys listened and you kept him in and did not chicken out like I did. Uh, Driscoll, we're, we're assuming will likely be back next week. If now, if not, David Blau, I think, showed that he can be a decent backup with that game last week. Made a couple bad throws, but again, his first real start, you know, was with the Cleveland Browns, but didn't get real any run there. Uh, for me, Galladay's the only guy here. What about you? Again, the way me and Matt were addressing a lot of this stuff as we talked on Tuesday's podcast and we were previewing the games is it, it's nut cutting time, right? Like we're here. This is it. Maybe you, you've already secured your spot or you need to win this week or you're de- depend, depending seating, whatever. You can't get cute. This is when you've really got to buckle down and play your guys. So moving forward, what are your thoughts with this Lions offense? Cause you've got guys who are going to get the ball in Marvin Jones and Bo Scarborough, who looks like he's going to be the lead back. But can you trust those guys? For me, the only guy is Galladay. What are your thoughts on this Lions offense? Well, you know, the first thing that popped into my head with David Blau, uh, aside from uh, last year's Ohio State game, was the quote from Connor McGregor. Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. I was... Uh, running around yesterday morning getting ready for Thanksgiving and I I posted it on Twitter all three of my lineups with Kenny Galladay in and what I said when I posted those was I'm glad that I was busy today and didn't have time to overthink Kenny Galladay because the last I don't know half hour 45 minutes before kickoff I'm reviewing lineups and I'm going all right who do I have Blau is starting. Who do I have that I can put in for Galladay? And then at one point after about the second one, I looked at it and said, you know what? Kenny Galladay, you know, somebody's got to catch the ball. They're going to throw it. If they fall behind, they're going to have to throw it. And they're going to have to throw it to establish a little bit of balance. And somebody's got to catch the ball. And I'm going to put my money on Galladay. 
and I left. I have three shares of Kenny Galladay, and I, he was in the lineup in all three games. And, and I was just glad I didn't. Oh, I didn't have time to overthink it because I I was headed down the road of talking myself out of it. You know, starting James Washington or some stupid shit like that. But I, I left him in there. I was very pleased with that. I did pull Marvin Jones out of the one lineup, the one share of him that I have. But it, and it was because my thought was. I don't think Blau can support two guys. I think that it'll be just one guy that he hyper-targets, and that guy, even if he's inefficient, is going to get enough volume to produce. And so I did pull Jones out. We'll see if that comes back to bite me or not. You know, I I don't know if I'm sold on Bo Scarborough. I mean, there's a reason that uh, he he bounced around and didn't really take hold anywhere. Yeah. and so I, I'm I'm a little hesitant with that. That being said, he looks good. He looks like he's he's he looks like he's what I thought I he looks like he's what I wanted Josh Adams to be. Okay, I like that actually. As as someone who was a big fan of Josh Adams as well, uh, yeah. I mean, see, my thing with Bo is, and I'm interested to see if he's able to stick with this team. Obviously, we all think that Carryon Johnson is the future at running back for them. But he's looked good. I just don't know if you can trust him. Now, again, that that really kind of depends on your roster construction and your team makeup. If you need a guy who I think could easily get you that 8 to 12 points every week, if he scores a touchdown, he's making your day. Otherwise, he has been very consistent running the ball. I'll agree with you there. For me, though, I'm with you. I think Blau, even if it's really Driscoll, I think they only can support one guy, and I think it's going to be Kenny Galladay because he is just the, by far the most talented receiver on that staff. Uh, I've loved the step that he's taken this year. We saw a little, little bit of it last year, him kind of coming up and being the one, especially when Marvin Jones was out this year, he's taken an even bigger step forward. I've loved what I've seen out of Galladay this year. Next up, we've got uh, a game that I wish I would have listened to myself again. So on the Tuesday podcast, I uh, i mean, I guess in a way I kind of lied to the audience. I picked the Bills to win the game, but then when I submitted my picks to Mr. Matthew Fox, I ended up taking the Cowboys. I talked myself out of it. Well, the Bills came to play. They knocked Dallas in the mouth in their hometown, 126 to 15 in a huge game for them. Uh, in all honesty, I was hoping the Cowboys would win just on the, the side that I needed uh the Bills to lose to improve the Ca- Cowboys, my goodness, the Browns' chances of making the playoffs. So the Bills moved to 9-3. and three. Josh Allen, 19-24, 231 yards, a touchdown in the air, 43 yards, and a touchdown on the ground to come in with 23.5 points. Devin Singletary, of course, gets a tough matchup and comes through for you. 63 yards on 14 carries, gets 38 yards, and a touchdown catch from John Brown. He goes for 17.6 points. Cole Beasley comes back in a little bit of a revenge game here. Six catches on 100 or six catches for 110 yards and one touchdown to come in with 20 points and John Brown 9.2 points in this one. Just 26 yards on three catches but does throw the touchdown pass to Devin Singletary. So interestingly enough, uh, we have me and Matt have been talking about Devin Singletary here for a couple weeks. Had two really good matchups a couple weeks ago against the Browns. And I don't remember who the other team was, but he fell flat on his face. Then he came into a really good matchup and goes off his first 100 rushing yard game. Has a touchdown, really good. And again, this week, Cowboys defense is very good, very good against the run. Comes through for you. Again, most of that obviously being the touchdown. But still 11 points out of a probably flex player for most people is a good game for him. For me, I think you can trust playing him in the flex position moving forward. We obviously know how good Allen is. He's a top QB every week. 
The big question is these two wide receivers. We've seen John Brown has been on fire the past couple weeks. Held in check a little bit this week, though. The Cowboys secondary is really good. Are you trusting either, neither, or both of these guys moving into the playoffs? Well, I think Singletary has established that he's going to be the guy. And Cole Beasley is, you know, John Brown is the deep threat and Cole Beasley's the short and intermediate guy. So they all have an established role within that offense. Now it just comes down to what's Josh Allen going to do? Uh, he was hyper efficient yesterday, only having five incompletions. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the norm. I, I, I'm going to say I don't think Josh Allen is as inaccurate as he was in college, which was my big knock for him coming out. Uh, I didn't think he was going to perform at a high level because I didn't see uh, consistent accuracy. And he seems to be disproving me this year. We'll see going forward uh, if he reverts at all. Um, but, you know, Beasley's having a really good year, and he, he's putting up numbers. And John Brown has established himself as the guy on the outside there. So there, Josh Allen can throw the ball regardless of the weather. And so I don't think that there will be any hesitation uh, when it comes to trying to get the ball downfield in the passing game. Uh, Buffalo will be willing to throw the ball. Uh, and Singletary, you know, he's, he's very quick in the hole. Uh, he's not going to run away from people. Uh, that's the biggest knock you see on him. But I, I guess if I had to choose between, you know, having a back I know was going to get me, you know, 4.5 yards 14 times or a back that was going to maybe get me 60 once, you know, I might go with the 4.5. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 you know, there's not – Regardless of the number of really fast running backs, there's not that high a number of really long runs. And so if Singletary's, you know, putting up, you know, 10, 12, 18, 20 yarders on a fairly consistent basis, you know, then he's going to be fine. He doesn't have to have breakaway speed. Yeah. Um, at his size, does that mean he might wear down a little quicker over the span of his career? Yeah, probably. You know, there, there's probably a few hits that uh, a faster back might not take, but it, it's football. People get hit. That's, that's the nature of the game. So you, you can't really, uh, I, I guess you can't really look at it from that perspective. So I like Singletary. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be good enough that the Bills go, you know, we could probably pass on a running back this year. I, I definitely could see them drafting a running back late day two, early round three next year, especially if Frank Gore decides he's going to move on to his, his next team. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I'm, I, I love Singletary this year. Uh, I think he's going to be fine. Like I said, the, the way you worded it is perfect. Uh, he's just very consistent, and and that's what I would stick with. I'm going to take consistency over a, a boom-bust player. He, he's shown that he's consistently going to get you a certain amount of points, and if he scores you those touchdowns, he's going to really come through for you, which he did yesterday. 
On the Cowboys side, Dak uh, comes through for you in fantasy, but has a really bad NFL game here. 32 of 49, 355 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, a couple fumbles. It was just not a good day for Dak. But 25.7 points in fantasy is all that matters. Zeke Elliott, 16.2 points in fantasy, 66 yards on seven carries. I'm sorry, 66 yards on seven catches, at 71 yards on 12 carries. Amari Cooper comes Gets almost exactly what I said he was going to on Tuesday's podcast. I, I said that I did not think he would score against Tredavious White, but I could see him getting enough catches and some yards to come in right around 10 to 11 points. He comes in with 12.5 points in this one, 85 yards on eight catches. Michael Gallup, 63 yards on three catches to come in at 7.8 points. And Jason Witten has himself the best day out of all of them. One touchdown on 42 yards and six catches, 15.2 points. Cooper, I mean, we, we've talked about him many times. I, I know you were not on the podcast with me when I admitted that I might have been wrong on Cooper this year. Still some time, though, for him to fall outside the top 10, and he has been gradually falling over the past couple weeks. Uh, but he has definitely proven that he can be a top uh, tier wide receiver and a tier one wide receiver. He does have another tough matchup next week, uh, which I would be a little bit hesitant about, but you've got to play him. Really, though, outside of Dak, Zeke, and Cooper, for me, there's nobody else you can really play. I like Gallup, but I feel like he's going to be the guy next year because I could honestly see with what we've seen out of Gallup, Dallas moving on from Cooper and going to Gallup. Uh, But what about you? Outside of Dak, Zeke, and Cooper, are you trusting anybody else in this offense? Well, man, I'm going to slide Vantel Bryant right into my lineup. That's for sure. Well, okay then. I feel like you're probably one of the few, but that's okay. Speaking of who the fuck is that guy, <laughs> I was like, holy crap. Um, no, I, I like Gallup, and I am I think if you're looking at a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside on a consistent basis, then Gallup is somebody I definitely want to put in my lineup for that upside. Um, I did have, I did expect a little more out of Gallup yesterday. Uh, than three yes, catches, but because uh, uh, I figured Tredavious White would be on Amari Cooper. Um, but I also felt like Amari was uh, trying to redeem himself from the uh, Stefan Gilmore experience as well. Uh, <laughs> you know, that that was kind of a nightmare. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I like Gallup a lot. He's actually a guy that in some of the deals on, on teams that aren't really going anywhere for me, uh, if I wasn't able to make a trade that would get net me a really high pick, in place of that high pick, I was going for a lower pick plus Michael Gallup a lot of times because he would be like the the I, I'd be trading a, a bona fide starter for Gallup in a third rounder, or Gallup in a late second rounder, um, so that somebody else could go on and win because I knew I wasn't. So I, I'm pretty high on Gallup going into next year. I. I I buy that theory that uh, the Cowboys say, you know, we don't have enough money to pay Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott, and they let uh, Cooper go, uh, and Gallup steps up. Uh, I think the Cowboys have some young wide receivers that they're developing and some young players, guys like Pollard and Blake Jarwin and, um, you know, Devin Smith has flashed a little bit. They like Noah Brown. So they've got some guys that can fill those supporting roles. Uh, if Randall Cobb, he, he sticks around a couple more years and, and holds down that slot spot. I, I can see them letting Cooper go or, or putting a cap on what they're willing to pay that's probably below what he knows he could get somewhere else. 
and, and then he moves on. Uh, I think Cooper's a stud. He's, what, 24 years old? Yeah, right around yeah. that, yeah. Great route runner. Uh, you know, he he's he's the full package, and I think he deserves to get paid. Uh, I'm a big fan. Does he have an occasional uh, untimely drop? He does, but I don't know that. I, I wouldn't say drops are an issue. Uh, I think everybody has a drop now and again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a big fan of Amari Cooper. Uh, yes, I did I trade him away in, <laughs> in uh, the Private Dicks League, but that's a team that uh, it, about three weeks ago ended up uh, – I dropped what I felt like was out of contention for a playoff, and so I've started the – I've made the turn to a rebuild, and so I'm moving veteran players now. Uh, I don't know how much capital I'll be able to get in the 2020 draft, but I'm starting to aim towards the, the 2021 draft for my big draft haul. So, Gotcha. Well, speaking of drop passes, we saw a player drop a pass in the late game Thursday night between the Saints and the Falcons. Uh, might have really been the Taysom Hill game, if we're all being honest with ourselves. But the Saints come in and win this one, 26-18. Drew Brees, 11.3 points in this one. Uh, I guess in a way has a bounce-back game. I really feel like he's kind of faded off a lot like last year. But 18 of 30, I'm sorry, 184 yards and a touchdown. Alvin Kamara, 61 yards on 11 carries, 23 yards on four catches to come in with 10.4 points. Michael Thomas, who I was referencing about the drop there, just 7.8 points in this one. A little bit of a low game for him, 48 yards on six catches. And just to just to point this out, his drop pass here dropped one pass in the third quarter. That was his first for since 198 catches ago, 22 games 403 days ago. That is how good Michael Thomas has been. Again, he is still on a uh, on the record watch here of trying to beat Marvin Harrison's a single game record, but that six catches in this one did kind of hurt him a little bit. He needed to average about 8.5 to 9 catches a game, so falling a little bit behind in this one, but still great game for for Michael Thomas overall. 85 yards and three catches for Jared Cook to come in with 10 points in this one. Moving forward, it's the usual suspects for the Saints. I, I don't know who you could argue playing outside of, uh, for me, Kamara, Thomas, and Cook. Even Breeze, I don't think, is a no-brainer start every week. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely think Breeze is on the, you know, he's a start in two QB super flex right. leagues, but he's he's more of a match. He's a streamer in one QB leagues. Yeah, I agree on that. The Falcons side, Matt Ryan, uh, besides getting stiff arm to, uh, I mean, oblivion there, which was just, I mean, I saw the gif of it, obviously, on Twitter after it happened, and I, I honestly felt bad for him. I thought he was going to retire right there on the spot. 35 of 50, 312 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions to come in with 20.6 points. Devonta Freeman in his first game back gets you 8.4 points, 51 yards on 17 carries, 13 yards on four catches. Calvin Ridley continues to dominate with Hooper being out, 91 yards on eight catches to come in with 13.1 points. But Russell Gage continues to have another, a bunch of couple good games here. He's strung a bunch of games together, is having a, a pretty good back half of the fantasy season here. 52 yards on five catches and one touchdown was targeted nine times. So just one less than the leader, which was Calvin Ridley. He gets you 13.1 points. 
Obviously, we, we talked about it on the podcast before. Calvin Ridley, I do think, is getting a lot of his production due to Austin Hooper being out. Since he's been out, Ridley has really taken a step forward. Julio was out in this one, so maybe that's why Gage takes that step forward. But he has been very fantasy relevant the past couple weeks. Whether Julio is in or out, are you looking at Gage in deeper leagues to possibly throw in your flex? Well, how many flexes do we have? I think if Julio two. if Julio's there, it's it's Julio and it's Ridley, and and Gage is is pretty far down. You know they still throw the uh, football to the running back an awful lot too. You know Hill and Freeman had seven catches between the two of them, uh, and Barner had two catches, so that's nine catches to the running backs. So if you've got Julio getting 12 or 14 targets and, and Ridley getting eight to 10 targets and the running backs getting 10 or 12 targets. Doesn't seem like a whole awful lot of targets left for the third wide receiver. Uh, especially if he's only going to convert, you know, five of nine. Uh, yeah. I, do you play him? Maybe it depends on your options. Uh, I'd like to think that I've got a little better options than Russell Gage. Uh, it's somebody though that in a dynasty league, I'm going to throw him on my bench, you know, maybe my practice squad and see if, see how long I can hold him, let it play out and see what's going to happen with Julio. How, how is his, uh, foot and ankle? Is he gonna, you know, he's Julio seems to get injured, uh, a little more frequently, uh, Austin Hooper, you know, I think is starting to, uh, have some health issues crop up on a fairly regular basis, and you have to start to take uh, into account that. I'm not sure where this Christian Blake character came from, though. No, That's the yeah. guy that I'm like, he was the wide receiver four, and he had six for 57. Yeah. Well, I, I would say some of that, I think, is also the Saints secondary. They've really been getting beat back there a lot here uh, this year especially. So I, I don't know if I'd read much into him, it being the one game. Uh, that was kind of why I wanted to bring up Gage, as, as he has had a couple good weeks, see if maybe you had any interest in him. For me, I wouldn't personally play him unless, like I said, you're in like a you're starting three wide receivers and two flex options. At that point, there's probably not much better you can find than Russell Gage, uh, but I'm with you. He's at best a very deep league sleeper uh, moving forward. That right there breaks down all of the Thursday games, so let's jump into what we're going to get into this Sunday with all the Sunday games and the Monday night football game. We eating all day, bro. I'm hitting you every time. Every time you come as well, I'm going to hit you. I'm not going to be able to do that. And we're going to kick off the Week 13 matchups on Sunday with the Green Bay Packers and the New York Giants. Green Bay is being given six points in this one, and they are the 75% chance to win this game. Going up against the Giants, they have been giving up the 15th most points to the running back, second most to wide receivers. Devontae Adams is likely going to have a huge game in this one. It's already been good since he came back. 
big game for him moving forward, I think, in this one. And say, and Aaron Jones, he's playing a middle-of-the-pack rushing defense. Do you expect him to have a bounce-back game here as well? Was really kind of been shut out the past couple weeks. Uh, we've seen a lot of Jamal Williams. What are you thinking about Aaron Jones moving into this pivotal matchup? Well, I like Aaron Jones to bounce back in, in part because LaFleur has commented again about we need to really get this guy the ball more. And so they're kind of telegraphing that, hey, we know this guy is good and we probably are doing him a, doing our team a disservice by not getting him the ball more. Uh, Jamal Williams has shown himself to be serviceable uh, in that complimentary running back. So he's, he's, he's been a flex-worthy play and against a, a, a Giants defense that's susceptible. I, I certainly wouldn't hesitate too much to, you know, play Williams in my deep flex position, but I expect Jones to have a good game. Uh, I, I believe it was uh, Nick Whalen or, or uh, somebody posted about the off-season conversations about the, maybe it was Pa Howdy, Peter Howard, mm-hmm. uh, about the off-season um, conversations around who was going to be the Green Bay wide receiver too and how that MVS and Geronimo Allison are currently sitting in like wide receiver 77 and wide receiver 83. So uh, I don't think I'm trusting any of the other wide receivers yeah, there. Yeah. I'm going to, it's, it's Jones, it's Adams uh, and it's, and it's Jamal Williams. Yeah, yeah, that's why I didn't mention any of the others because there's just no way. None of those guys have proven they can, they can provide any kind of fantasy relevance, even when Devontae Adams was out. On the Giants' side, I mean, my goodness, they are just getting destroyed with injuries. We were going to talk about Golden Tate. He got ruled out earlier. The Green Bay Packers giving up the fourth most points against the running back, but 24th most against the wide receivers. So they're, they're actually doing a really good job in the secondary shutting down wide receivers. We've kind of seen that all season anyways. We've known that. So Saquon is likely in for a huge game here. Has really not looked the same these past couple weeks, so let's hope he bounces back, especially for those of us who are trusting him in a big Week 13 matchup. With Tate out, though, Ingram out, you got Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard. Are you trusting either one of them against this defense? Yes. Which one? I I think... I I like both of them. Shepard slides into the slot role where he's historically produced very well. He's very comfortable in that role. Um, You know, I think it can be argued that the signing of every slot receiver on the market by the Giants really has done nothing but hurt Shepard. And now with Tate out, Shepard is that number one slot guy. And he's... He's a good wide receiver. Darius Slayton has come on and shown that he can play that outside position and, and be very effective. So do I think either one of them will be a wide receiver one this week? Probably not. But I think both of them have a shot to put up wide receiver two numbers. Uh, it's just figuring out which one it is that it's going to be and hoping you play the right one. Uh, the other one I think will be a flex-worthy play. So I don't. I, I think if you play either one of them, with the expectation of getting uh, wide receiver three, maybe high-end wide receiver four numbers, you should come away satisfied with their production. Uh, and then they both have upside to a wide receiver two potential. So I, I, I like him. I like Slayton has been a, a, a darling of mine since uh, Garrett Price turned me on to him uh, back in the offseason. Yeah. 
All right. Well, interesting. I wasn't sure which way you were going to go with it. I, I would trust Shepard more than Slayton, but if we're being honest, as you just said, Slayton has, has by far been the better wide receiver so far. We obviously know Shepard has been hurt a lot this season, but Slayton has really stepped up and proved that he can be a very good wide receiver in the NFL. Who are you picking to win this game, the Giants or the Packers? I'm going to go with the Packers. Uh, I think Aaron Aaron Rodgers needs to he, – he's trying to – get things straightened out after this last game. And I think he wants to go out and prove that, hey, look, let's not fret. We're okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think the Packers not necessarily win this easily, but I do think that they win a, maybe like a 10-point comfortable victory in this one. Next up, we've got the rematch of Helmet Gate, the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cleveland is getting two points in this one and being given the 51% chance to win this game. On Cleveland's side, Pittsburgh, we know that their defense is good. 27th against the running back, 17th against the wide receiver. So they're more beatable in the air than they are on the ground. We know that the Browns played them decently two weeks ago. Again, I feel a lot of that was due to Mason Rudolph's four turnovers. It gave the Browns offense a lot more chances to do something, which I don't necessarily think happens in this game. I think you've got to play Chubb regardless because of how much they lean on him. OBJ and Landry are also in your lineups. Kareem Hunt, though, we've seen that he has actually been very fantasy relevant the past couple weeks. He's been easily a flex option, even an RB2 option. Are you willing to play him this week knowing how good this Pittsburgh defense is against the run? Well, Cleveland has shown the propensity to put Chubb and Hunt on the field at the same time. Yes. And when you've got Chubb, Hunt, Beckham, and Landry all out there on the field at the same time, Pittsburgh can't cover all of them. Some good things have to happen. In the past three weeks, uh, Chubb is RB7 and Hunt is RB13. Yeah. So I, I'm fine. If, if I have either one of them, I'm rolling them out there with, with expectations that uh, I'm going to get at least RB2 production and possibly uh, – R- and RB1 production out of at least one of them. I think with Hunt, Chubb is a, a little more reliant on the touchdowns now. Yes, I agree with that. But but they're not afraid to, to have him pounded in when they get down there close. Uh, and he's shown and, – and Chubb can – Chubb has breakaway speed. So when he gets out there in the open field, you know, he's shown over the course of his career that he can run away from people. And, and uh, you know, he's big and he's fast. So I, I like both players. I, I'm not afraid to start either one of them. I think that, uh, in general, the Browns have a chip on their shoulder after the old uh, helmet game. Yeah. And I think they want to go into Pittsburgh and they want to prove that, you know, they can, you know, beat that team with or without Miles Garrett. Uh, you know, is – Delvin Hodges, the second coming of David Blau. I don't know. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we do know. Yeah, we do know that he is starting in this one. Uh, as as Mike Tomlin put it, he doesn't kill us. So he is going up against a Browns defense that has really turned it around in the second half. Now again. Most of this comes from the fact that they've had Miles Garrett most of this time. We played the Dolphins last week, and, and while Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to throw on them some in garbage time, uh, it didn't really affect their stats much. 20th most against the running backs, 23rd against the wide receivers. So they're in the top 10 almost on in both categories here again in defense. So they've been playing phenomenal defense here of late. We know James Conner is likely out. Uh, has not been ruled out, but he is likely out. Juju has been ruled out. So let's start on the running back side first. 
Again, we know Duck Hodges is in at quarterback. Are you trusting Benny Snell or Jalen Samuels in a big matchup this week against a good Browns run defense? Yeah, I, I like Benny. I think uh, he's probably a high floor RB three. Okay. Uh, I think he's he's definitely going to get the carries. If if the game is close, Snell will have more play. But without James Conner, it ends up being one of those very clear situations where uh, Jalen Samuels is going to catch the ball 95% of the time when he's in there, and Benny Snell is going to run the ball 95% of the time when he's in there. So uh, with, with that being said, it's it kind of limits – the surprise that that offense has when going against the Browns defense. Now that doesn't mean that Hodges won't throw it to somebody else, which he will, you know, he's got James Washington he's got, uh, Deontay Johnson, uh, Vance McDonald. So he's got some weapons there and, and the, that offensive line is pretty good. So it's going to, I expect it's going to be a chippy game. Uh, I don't know that there's going to be any helmet swinging. I I, I think the teams know yeah, better. Yeah, uh, really but it not. but it's definitely going to be chippy. There's going to be a couple you know times the refs are going to have to step in. But that's Cleveland and Pittsburgh. That's just yeah. how that's we've been playing each other that way for 50 years. Yeah. So I I don't know that you know that's anything new. Yeah, for me, uh, if I had to pick one, I'd go Snell. I do think uh, I'm with you that they probably do kind of split it more as in Snell gets to most of the runs, Samuels get the catches. But when they get down into the red zone, I would not be surprised if they're able to score a little bit here, uh, and I, I would take Snell and his upside. On the wide receivers, we saw obviously James Washington get the big touchdown last week. Some of that came from the fact that the two Cincinnati defenders hit each other. With Duck Hodges being out there, though, we know he is more willing to throw the ball deep than we saw out of Mason Rudolph. Again, Juju out, so you're likely leaning on Horton, uh, James Washington, and Deontay Johnson. Are you willing to start any of those guys? Oh, I'm definitely uh, – I, I like uh, you know Deontay as a flex play. Okay. And uh, um, James Washington as a flex play as well, in part because they both have shown the ability – uh, to make big plays. Uh, I, I don't know that neither one of them have the kind of safe floor that Juju provides, but they both do have the same type of ceiling. So, you know, it's week 13. You're trying to make the playoffs. Uh, the chances of, you know, being in a comfortable lead where you don't have to worry about it this week are probably pretty slim. So you're probably looking for points and you're looking for as many points as you can possibly get. So that being said, uh, do I think James Washington is good for a 70 yard touchdown? It's well within it's It's kind of what Washington does. We've seen him with do that with Rudolph. We've seen him do it with Ben. We've seen him do it with Hodges. Uh, he did it in college. That's that's his M.O., you know, Deontay Johnson can take those intermediate passes and, and, and run away with them. So it's it's a situation where you're going to need some points from somewhere. And what are your other options? I mean, at this point in the season, a lot of people are injured. And it's not likely that you have a lot of better options. If you have one of those guys on your team, they're probably your wide receiver you know, if your team is healthy, probably your wide receiver five or six. 
But at this stage of the season, your team's probably not healthy. So they're your wide receiver three or four. And can you really afford to sit your wide receiver three or four? Yeah, I guess I get that. If I had to pick one of the three, I'd go Washington. I just think he has the most upside. Uh, obviously, if we're, we're being honest, whoever ends up lined up across from Greedy most of the time is going to have the better game. Ward has really looked like a lockdown corner since he's come back. Uh, so, I, so I would not trust whoever goes up against him, but Ward doesn't always travel. So we don't know who he'll be locked up against, but Greedy has definitely been giving up a lot of points. So I, if I had to choose one, I would say Washington probably has the, the upside for a better game, or at least the safer floor out of all those other wide receivers. Who are you picking to win this game, the Browns or the Steelers? I'm going to make my homer pick, and I'm going with the Browns. Yeah, I'm really hoping it's not a homer pick and that the Browns actually win this game because I do think uh, whoever wins this game is going to be uh, have the inside track for that second playoff spot in the AFC. Next up, the Redskins and the Panthers. The Panthers are getting 10 points in this one and being given the 80% chance to win this game. On the Panthers' side, there's really not much to talk about for them. Uh, the Redskins' defense, not most points against the running back, 16th against the wide receiver. So, I mean, even if they were 32nd against the run, you're starting Christian McCaffrey because he is just that damn good. In my opinion, should be the MVP this year. We, uh, I think we all know he's not going to get it, uh, but it's been just beyond phenomenal this year. At the wide receiver, I don't think you can start anybody outside of your guy, DJ Moore. I, I love Curtis Samuel, as I know you do as well. Well, we just have not seen it consistently enough with Kyle Allen. So I think for me, it's just CMC and more for the Panthers. Do you agree with that? Yeah, uh, maybe Greg Olson. Okay, uh, tight end is a hot mess, and Olson is can be fairly consistent. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know that the Redskins have anybody that could cover Olson in the intermediate uh, routes. Uh, you know, Sam, Samuel is he's good. <laughs> But that he's still—it's that you—it's all about the consistency, and he hasn't hasn't been able to show it. But you know, Sam Samuel could come out and go seven for one thirty and a touchdown, or he could come out and go, you know, two of seven for sixteen. Yeah, and that, that unfortunately that's why for at least for me I would not play him. I just don't think you can trust him even if he does go off on your bench. In my opinion, you made the right call by benching him. On the Redskins side, I feel like it's a lot of the same of the Panthers here. The Panthers Third most points against the running back, but 13th against the wide receiver. So same thing, you can beat him on the ground. I think you can still play uh, Terry McLaurin. We've seen, at least last week with Dwayne Haskins, they really started to get that connection back. He's, he's by far, in my opinion, one of the better flex plays that you can play. At the running back position, though, Panthers can be beat on the ground. So are you willing to throw Geis or Peterson in your lineup this week? Yeah, I think Geis is he's gaining trust in his body again. He's healthy again. Uh, they need to control the ball to give uh, Haskins an opportunity. So, it, you know, you, I don't think you, Haskins isn't going to win the game throwing it 50 times. You know, yeah. Two years from now, maybe. Right now, they need to they need to slow it down. They need to be in control. You know, they've lost both of their top two tight ends. Uh, Richardson is out. So it's going to be McLaurin, it's going to be Geis, and it's going to be, uh, I don't even know if uh, Chris Thompson is going to be healthy again yet. No, it doesn't So it's, it's, it's going to be Geis probably with 75% of the running back snaps. And uh, un unless something happens to Geis, Peterson will spell him for a few. So it's uh, 
Trey Quinn might be the other option if you're looking for Deep somebody sleeper. in a okay. PPR league that's going to get you five catches for 50 yards. You know, Quinn Quinn could be that guy. All right, who are you picking to win, the Redskins or the Panthers? The Panthers. As am I. Next up, another, if we're being honest with ourselves, kind of craptastic game here, the Jets and the Bengals. The New York Jets are getting three points in this one and being given the 52% chance to win this game. On the Jets' side, the Bengals are sixth with uh, most points against the running back, 19th against the wide receiver. So they can be beat on the ground. I think that aligns up perfectly for Bell to continue his run as like a high-end RB2. But Crowder and Anderson, tougher matchup this week. Uh, we saw Anderson go off last week. Crowder kind of come back to earth a little bit. Crowder had been leading this team with a three good weeks in fantasy. So either, neither, or both this week against the Bengals with Crowder and Anderson. I, I wouldn't expect more than flex level play. I, I, you know, I guess it's, you know, the Bengals aren't that good. And Sam yeah. Darnold is playing well. <laughs> So I, on one hand, I, you know, they, the Jets have this array of kind of meh weapons. Yep. They've got Demarius Thomas. They've got Crowder. They've got Anderson. They've got Ryan Griffin. And, and Bell this year has been kind of bleh. So it's like, what's really, what's really going to happen against the Bengals? I feel like it's, it's going to be Le'Veon Bell. Uh, having a Le'Veon Bell kind of game. Uh, he knows the Bengals. He played at Pittsburgh forever. Um, I, so I think Bell is going to have a pretty good game. I think Ryan Griffin is going to have a decent game. I agree with that, yeah. And, and Griffin impacts Crowder. So I think that knocks Crowder down a notch. Um, but Darnold is starting – you know, you know, ever since the ghost quote unquote game, yeah. Darnold is starting to to get his bearings and, and Darnold has a lot of talent. And so I think I'd be pretty comfortable rolling Robbie Anderson out. Okay. I think uh Anderson has the potential to get down the field and, and make some plays. And I think he's the one guy on the Bengals or excuse me, on the Jets that's gonna get downfield to be able to make plays. You know, the the I, the only thing the only wrench I could see in that whole system is Sam Hubbard. Gotcha. Yeah. If if Hubbard start if Hubbard starts beating his tackle, yeah, it could be a long day for Sam Darnold. There he may see more ghosts. I agree. Uh, that is actually why I would go Griffin and Crowder. Uh, I like Robbie Anderson. I think he is a a decent weapon on the outside. I just kind of think he's on the wrong team. I don't think that offensive line holds up long enough for Darnold to fire it down the field. I think that is why Crowder has has had the games that he has had against good teams with a good, decent pass rush. Forces uh, Darnold, who has been playing better of late, to get the ball out quicker. That's why Ryan Griffin has moved up into like that tight end one territory. And Crowder was having the games that he had. If I had to choose one this week, I'd throw Crowder in my flex. Uh, if Anderson goes off, I- I- I'll take the L. I'd rather I'd rather win uh, playing, in my opinion, the better playing Crowder than than lose throwing Anderson in there and him not doing anything. On- All right, hey, how about this? What's up? How about we pie bet? 
Oh God, Anderson no. versus Crowder. No, that's that's too dangerous. We can pod bet here, <laughs> but I, I don't want to do that one. That's way too dangerous for me. I mean, I, I mean, I'm already kind of after that Evans bet. I've hated myself because I knew I shouldn't have taken Mike Evans, and I did it anyway. Mm-hmm. On the Bengals side here, the uh, the Jets 24th most against the running backs, eighth most against the wide receivers, so they are getting beaten in the air. I mean, I don't know what you can do with Mixon at this point. Uh, me and Matt have talked about in the past you benching him if you could. I don't know if you anybody how many teams have that good RB depth to bench him. I think he's just at at best, unfortunately, this week a flex play against a really good defensive front in the Jets. Uh, we do know that Andy Dalton is back at quarterback, so I do think that also gives a boost to Boyd. And then the matchup as well allows Boyd to have an even better game. I think he jumps up into that wide receiver two territory for me. Uh, do you agree with that? Is there anybody else on this Bengals offense you'd be willing to throw in your lineup uh, against the Jets? Well, I I think Andy Dalton being back uh, is going to – I think Andy is going to work really, really hard to be good Andy. Which means that it it's going to be a Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, Alex Erickson. And when that happens, if that's successful, that means Joe Mixon now has more room to operate. True. And that offense becomes more balanced. So uh, unless Andy just hits the bed, I think it ends up being a pretty positive game for the Bengals receivers and Joe Mixon. Uh just because Andy wants he 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 was mad that he got benched. Oh yeah. I I get why they did it. They needed to see what they had in Ryan Finley. Okay, now they know. Uh Ryan Finley ain't it. Yeah. So, let's go back to Andy. Uh we're, we're pretty close to secure for the number 1 overall pick, but when it comes down to to nut cutting time, I think Andy's going to play hard to win, and he's going to do what he can to get that ball downfield, which will open it up for for Mixon. I feel pretty comfortable with the the Bengals prospects. Uh, I, I I could see, you know, if Mixon catches five balls, then I think Mixon ends up in it as an RB one. Okay. And if he catches five balls. And is an RB1, that means the passing game in general was successful. So that means Boyd is probably a high-end RB2, maybe even an RB1. Tate is a low-end RB2 or wide receiver 2 or, or wide receiver high-end wide receiver 3. So, And then Alex Erickson is just one of those cats that you – you know, he's a desperation yeah. play. Everybody else is oh out on your lineup and you just he's the only wide receiver you have left and you just stick him in and next thing you know, he's got you seventeen points. All right. Who you taking to win? The Bengals or the Jets? I'm gonna take the Bengals. I am going to take the Jets as they move closer to uh adding Joe Burrow to their uh, quarterback <laughs> room here in the offseason. Next up, again, in my opinion, probably going to end up being another craptastic game. We've got quite a few of those. I actually think kind of the next three that we're about to talk about are that. Uh, the Titans and the Colts. The Colts getting 1.5 points in this one and uh, being given the 60% chance to win this game. On the Colts side here, uh, the Titans, 16th most points against the running back, 15th most against the wide receiver. So they're right in the middle of the pack in both of them. 
Uh, we saw Jonathan Williams really went off uh, that Thursday night game last week against the Texans. I personally don't know if you can trust him in a tough matchup this week. I think he's more of a flex option for me. I think he's got a, a semi-decent uh, floor. Does obviously have a high ceiling if he continues to get the workload, but I'd throw him more as a flex than, than an RB player. Outside of that, I don't trust anyone on this team outside of Jack Doyle. We know Ebron is out, so maybe we see the Jack Doyle of old. I would be willing to take a shot on him to finish as a top tight end this week. What are your thoughts on the Colts offense? Uh, if I can avoid it, I am. I don't disagree with that at all. That I, I mean, I'm with you. T.Y. Hilton is out. Mac is out. Ebron is out. It's... You know, Zach Pascal and uh, his cast of Merry Bandits, you know, I don't, I don't yeah, Jonathan Williams. Yeah, he's he's looked good, but ho- where's he, he? He's what in his fourth year now? Yeah, I don't know. He's been around a long time. It's, it, yeah, he was know, drafted by Buffalo. I believe it was four years ago. And then he was obviously with the Saints as well for a season or I think most of the season before he ended up getting cut. And now he's with. Yeah, it's, it's just, you know, I, I get it. I, I'm not I, I guess I don't see if, you know, he's not the next Justin Forsett with a fifth right. year breakout coming. Yeah, uh, he's he's getting a decent opportunity, you know. On the other hand, what did we talk about? And, and this just popped into my head, so I'm going to talk in circles now. Um, in the off season, when we talked about the Colts before we knew that Luck was retiring, yes, we talked ad nauseum about the resources invested in their offensive line. Right. You you heard it before with Dallas. You put anybody behind that line, and they can gain a thousand yards. Well, Indianapolis went, and they kind of did that same thing by drafting these studs and putting them on their offensive line. Well, now we're seeing with Jonathan Williams, you put anybody back there, they can gain 100 yards. So maybe I'm wrong. Well, that, that's why I'd put him in my flex this week. I don't think he finishes as an RB1 or 2 because this Titans defense is good. But yeah, with the no offensive joke. line they have, and, and you just mentioned it, they've got nobody at wide receiver. I mean, absolutely nobody. So you're likely getting – we saw some last week on that Thursday night game. Naheem Hines was playing in the slot at times last week. They're just so beat up, I think they're going to have to rely on on those three guys in William Hines and Doyle with obviously whatever Brissett can do. So I think if they do get down in the red zone, all it's going to take is for them to punch it in one time. And that offensive line is so good. As good as the defense is for Tennessee, I would take the, the Colts offensive line over their defense. So that's the only reason that I'd be willing to throw Williams in my flex spot. Again, I don't think he finishes as a high-end RB1, at best a middle-tier RB2 for me this week, but flex play I think he he's as good as goal because if you can get an RB that's going to get touches he'll likely get some catches as well I think that's that's more than good enough to throw in your flex spot on uh on the Titans side here the Colts much like the uh the Titans have a very good defense 28th against the run 14th in the against the wide receivers so their defense uh against the run is extremely good that being said, you got to play Derrick Henry. He has been a, t- a running back one this season. Just as I've, I've, I've said on the podcast with Matt a couple times here, just continues to give us the bird and slap us in the face after every game because we have doubted him all season long. Regardless of the matchup, you have to play him. Outside of him, though, I don't know if you can play anybody else. I don't trust any of these wide receivers. Ryan Tannehill has been 
Obviously a lot better than what we've seen out of Marcus Mariota the past couple years, but it's been Corey Davis one game, A.J. Brown the next game, Adam Humphreys, Jonu Smith. I don't know if you can trust any of these guys in a pivotal matchup. Do you trust any of the receiving options for the Titans this week? Well, in order, I trust them. A.J. Brown, and then the rest of them. Okay. So I'm comfortable starting A.J. Brown as a flex. I think he has shown an ability to make things happen. Corey Davis, for all of his raw athletic ability, it's it's he's suffering from the Devontae Parker syndrome and that it's he's not making it translate. Yeah. And if Tannehill couldn't make it work with Parker in in Miami. I, I I'm not sold in it being consistently worked out with Davis in Tennessee, but AJ Brown is you know in the intermediate where Tannehill's best passing uh, best passes are. I think AJ Brown is a, a fairly consistent player, uh, and. and when he gets going, he's he's gone. AJ Brown's pretty fast. Yeah, and he he looks really good. He's been he makes plays. Um, I think you, you know the difference I've seen between AJ Brown and Corey Davis is when it's a contested catch, AJ Brown comes down with it, and Corey Davis doesn't more often than not. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know that it should be that way. I think Corey Davis is probably the bigger and stronger guy, but AJ Brown just when when Tannehill throws the ball, he says that's mine, and Corey Davis says I think I can get it, hmm. and and that's the mental those two mentalities are just so different. Yeah, uh, I don't disagree with you on that. So Corey Davis is 6'3", 209, and I was trying to get A.J. Browns to pull up. 6'1", 226, so you are right. Corey Davis is just a little bit bigger than A.J. Brown, but you are right, too. He has definitely won a couple of uh, contested catches this season, and he is someone with his speed and uh, what he can do in the open field just looks— I I mean, he can take it to the house on any catch. So I— I would be hesitant to start him, but I don't think that you're wrong, that if you throw him in your flex spot, he could easily come through for you uh, against a Colts defense that I think likely is going to get a little bit tired because I do think they're going to be out there a lot with with as bad or as beat up, I should say, as this Colts offense is. Who are you picking to win this one, the Colts or the Titans? Yeah, I'm going with the Titans. I I just think that Tennessee is going to be, you know, Tennessee has shown they can put up some points. And that defense is just strong enough. I don't think that the the Indianapolis offense will be able to keep pace. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm going the same way too, which is bad news for the the Browns there because uh, with the way the Titans beat up on them in that first game, they they have the tiebreaker, so they need the Titans to lose quite a bit moving forward. Uh, you mentioned Tannehill and his connection with Devontae Parker. They both obviously played for the Dolphins. The Dolphins are going up against Philly this week. Philly is getting 10 points in this one and the 79% chance to win this. On Philly's side, they're going up against a Miami defense that is in the bottom five in both categories. Fifth most points against the running backs, third most against the wide receivers. So for me, I think Miles Sanders is in for another really good game here, especially if Howard is going to be out. I know they have a Jai, but we've still seen Sanders getting most of the work and especially the receiving work, which I think is going to help him. 
Outside of him, Aguilar's supposed to be back. Still no word on Jeffrey. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care how bad the Dolphins' defense is against the wide receivers. For me, it's just Ertz and Goddard outside of Miles Sanders that I'm trusting. Are you willing to throw in Aguilar or I don't even remember some of these dudes' names that are out there playing right now for the Eagles, but are you willing to throw any of those guys in your lineups outside of the three big guys in Sanders, Ertz, and Goddard? Well, it's Alshon Jeffrey looks like he's going to play, and he wasn't listed on the Eagles' final injury report, uh, according to Dave Zangaro on Twitter. J-Jaw. How did I forget about J-Jaw? Of all people, that just popped in my head. I I still wouldn't start him, but I can't believe I forgot about J.J. All right, go. Sorry, continue. Well, no, I I think that Jeffrey, you know, unfortunately he's coming off uh, of an injury, um, and so – with his history, that clearly means he could play one play and be done, or he could ball out. So there's a wide range of outcomes. I have a couple spots where I'm starting Jeffrey, um, just because I I need I'm going to need the points. Uh, if if I take a zero because you know his hamstring tightens up, so be it. I I can't afford to to put somebody out there that has a ceiling of five points. So I, I like Jeffrey. I, I've always liked him as a player. Um, but then again, I also haven't put expectations on him that he's going to be a consistent wide receiver one. Uh, I, I think in this game, it's going to be Miles Sanders. I think Jeffrey is going to be able to produce. I think the tight ends are going to produce in part because it's Miami and, yeah. and they, they're just not that good. Um, Miami plays hard. They, I, I have been impressed with how hard Miami plays. Yeah. Uh, considering the obvious nature to those of us watching uh, of what their season is, uh, they they still play hard. Uh, Devontae Parker is, you know, I guess he's the next Brandon Lloyd. Uh, you know that fifth year be. breakout. Yeah, he might so. be. And, I mean, speaking of, of Devontae Parker, so he's going up against an Eagles defense that can be beat on the back end. Really tough against the run. 25th points against running back, 5th against the wide receiver. So they have really been beaten, although they did play a lot better last week in the in defense in the secondary, but still can be beat back there. And that leads to me being Devontae Parker, the only player I am playing for the Dolphins. Are you risking taking anybody else, or is it just Parker for you as well? Um, I'm, I wouldn't be afraid to play Mike Gesicki. Okay. Um, in part because once you get to tight end six, it's a roll of the dice and mm-hmm. Gesicki has started to come on. He's, I think he's, uh, gotten at least six or seven targets in each of the last four or five games. So he's starting to get the target volume and, and, He's, he's a good athlete. He's a decent tight end. So he's going to be out there. He's going to be getting targets. And the potential is there uh, in a position that's uh, pretty much a hot mess. Yeah. Well, that is true. They are definitely a hot mess. And we do have another big name tight end, at least for some. I, I did not buy into him at all. But a guy, Gerald Everett for the Rams, has been ruled out. So you might need a, a kind of dart throw tight end, uh, which you are right. Against, especially with that secondary uh, that has been giving up the points that they have. Gasecki, all it really takes is for a touchdown at tight end these days to, to really kind of come through for you. Who are you picking, the Eagles or the Dolphins? 
I'll take the Eagles. As am I. Oh, next game is going to be the, I don't know why I just kind of went British there. That was very awkward for both of us, I feel. Uh, the Buccaneers and the Jaguars are the next game, both sitting at four and seven. Tampa Bay getting 2.5 Maybe points. it's because the Jags play so many games in London. Yeah, way to save it. Way to save it, Dennis. I like it. And uh, Jacksonville getting the 51% chance to win this game. On Jacksonville's side, Buccaneers, I mean, we've talked about it, obviously. I'm sure other people have as well, but they have been really good against the run this year. 31st in points against the running back. So they are right there with the 49ers and the Patriots, who are the next two, and just not giving up anything on the ground. But they're number one against the wide receiver. So you can just throw all over them. Me and you could go out there and put up some points against them. That being said, Leonard Fournette has to be in your lineups. He has just been an absolute baller all season. Uh, with the amount of work that he gets in the receiving game alone, I think he's going to be able to come through for you. Obviously, DJ Chark has been the best wide receiver for them this year. Uh, is still sitting as a wide receiver one on the season with Nick Foles being back. He still targeted him. Did go to D.D. Westbrook a lot too, which I think allows D.D. Westbrook to go in near lineups as well. I think all three are in for big games this week. What do you think on these Jaguars players? Yeah, that's uh, I, I, I feel like it's going to be a two fifty, three touchdown game for Foles. Yeah. Um, you know the, it's been a couple weeks since Fournette's broke off a sixty or seventy yard run, so I, I get that the, uh, the the Buccaneers are very stout against the run. Uh, and a lot of that is because they're so weak against the pass. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's you know what it, kind of why fight what's there take what we, if you're doing the take what's given and they give up so much through the air, um, but you know Fournette's a mainstay. He's a, the main cog in that offense. So I could see him with you know seven catches and fifteen carries and, and putting up a. a you know, 20 fantasy points. Uh, Fournette's having a phenomenal year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Chark and Westbrook, it, you know, I don't know. There's, I really felt like Foles' chemistry was going to be with Westbrook, but it's it's been Chark. And Chark has established himself as the alpha uh, in that wide receiver core. And uh, I think it's going to be – it could be one of those games – where Chark has like that Mike Evans or Chris Godwin style game where he puts up, you know, 40 points. Oh, I like it. I like that call. On uh, the uh, the Buccaneers side here, the Jags, seventh most points against the running backs, but 21st against the wide receivers. So they're doing a really good job of locking you down in the secondary, even without Jalen Ramsey, but are struggling on the ground. I think that leads to a decent game from Rojo here. I think, uh, as I've said the past couple weeks, he's, he's a good flex play for you with the amount of work that he's going to get in the receiving game and rushing. The big question is going to be, who do you think goes off this week at wide receiver? Because we've seen lately it's not going to be both of them, and it is a tough matchup for them. Are you taking Evans or Godwin? Man. I'm going to take Evans. Okay. Bounce back game for Evans. For a completely self-serving reason, (laughs) I have shares of Evans, and I have no shares of Godwin. So I'm going Evans. 
I hope you're right. Uh, again, as a as a player that I I feel like I'm staunchly on the opposite side of 99% of the time. I do own him in one league, and I need a win this week to get into the playoffs as the sixth seed. So. I do as well hope Mike Evans comes through, uh, but knowing my luck and the fact that you just said that means it's going to be Chris Godwin and Mike Evans is going to get us like five points. Who oh, don't do that to us, Matt. Trust me, I don't want it to be done to us, but it just continues my hatred for Mike Evans. Who you, you think know, The only this? thing that concerns me, I think, uh, from the running perspective, uh-huh. the Jags give up lots, they give up lots of points to, to running backs. But it's Ronald Jones, and it, it you know good. it's one of those things where I I have to start Ronald Jones in one league because I don't have another option. But I look at it and 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 it's like man, it could he he could just as easily average two yards a carry because he can't see the hole. That's true. And so I'm 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 starting Jones, but man, I'm concerned. I I hope he has a good game. He will. I'm calling it right now. At least 13 points in fantasy this week against the Jaguars. At least 13 points for Ronald Jones. Just you watch. My boy is going to come through for me. I know he's listening. Rojo, what's up, baby? Have yourself a good game. Who are you picking to win, the Jags or the Buccaneers? I'm going Jags. As am I. Next up, we have probably what is going to be the best game of the weekend in the Ravens and the 49ers. Baltimore getting five points in this one and being given the 67% chance to win this game. For them, they're going up against a very good 49ers defense. 30th against the running backs, 27th against the wide receivers. So they are really not getting beat either way. I think this is going to be a tough game for Baltimore, but you have to start your studs in Lamar, Ingram, and for me, Andrews. I, I don't Think there's anyone else that you can start? I know Marquise Hollywood Brown has that big boom bust potential. I personally don't see him going off in this one. In fact, I really only think Lamar and Andrews have good games in this one. What are you thinking about this game? How would you attack playing your Baltimore players? Well, I, I guess what I want to ask you is how do you define a good game from Marquise Brown? Marquise Brown, I think he's got to hit double digit points. Cause my thing with Marquise Brown is he is not, he is not a guy that you know is, uh, I guess a best comparison, Julian Edelman. You know, he's not going to get you eight catches a game. So even if he only gets you 60 yards, he got you eight catches. Marquise Brown is going to get you probably four to five targets on that game. He's going to get you maybe three catches. So it's going to come to yards and touchdowns for Brown, in my opinion. I agree. Okay. I think if he gets six targets, I think one of them is a big play and a touchdown, okay. which will be – and if it's early, it's going to provide enough um, – it'll, it'll provide enough of a sting to, to that defense that it's going to cause them to back off. So Brown will be able to clear people out and open up some room for Andrews, for Ingram. Um, yeah, that that defensive line of San Francisco is a monster. Ingram yeah. is gonna Ingram is gonna have tough sledding, um, but I think Lamar is is gonna be the one who uh, makes he he makes that that offense go. Yeah, uh, for sure. I am I'm stoked to watch this game. It's yeah, it should be something, man, because that San Francisco defense they are no joke. Those defensive linemen. Um, they're they're 
fast. I mean, they're not as fast as Lamar Jackson, obviously. Right, right. But but they're fast. They can beat those offensive linemen. It'll it'll be interesting. I wonder if we're going to get to see. Uh, I wonder if uh, uh, Nick Bosa only lines up on the right, mm-hmm. or if at some point he's going to get lined up over on the left facing uh, uh, Orlando Brown. Because oh, yeah. you know, or as good as Orlando Brown has been, uh, one thing he's not is quick. Yeah, and so that that would be. I, I would be curious to see if they try to make that matchup happen. Oh, I would imagine Salah is going to move him around. I think. My my one thing is for this, and I know a lot of people seem to have forgotten this, that the Browns beat the Ravens back in week four. And, and I know I went back and watched. I, I have game pass, so I went back and watched it. And I think the biggest reason they were able to beat Baltimore was for two reasons. Garrett, Ogunjobi were getting into the backfield and pressuring Lamar a ton. And they weren't allowing him to necessarily move up because they had Richardson right there as well. So Lamar was having to get rid of the ball quicker. Now, Mark Ingram was able to get a lot of yards against the Browns, but they never really allowed them to score. And then what else I think took away from that was Baker and that offense were just on point that game. And they were putting up points so quickly on Baltimore that it almost moved to a point where Baltimore had to throw to get back into it. And I do think regardless of what Lamar has done this year, and he has been phenomenal, he is the MVP front runner. In my opinion, he still struggles to throw the ball at times. I that that's my biggest fear with this game is I don't know if I can trust Jimmy G to do that. I, I'm not trying to say Baker's better than Jimmy G. Jimmy G has obviously had himself a couple good games. I'm not sure that I trust San Francisco's offense to put up enough points to make Lamar throw it. And and the big part, what I agree with you on, is that def- that's going to be the point to watch for me, is that defensive line going up against that offensive line. Because we do know how good Lamar is. But if Bosa and Buckner are able to get into the backfield and kind of force Lamar Jackson to possibly move up, I don't think that he necessarily gets out and is able to run for 60, 70, 80 yards. I could be wrong, but I really think this is going to be a true test for the for the Ravens. I, I'm, I won't say who I think is going to win it, but I, I do think uh, Lamar can beat them. Obviously we've seen, he, he had, he's been on fire. This whole team has been, I mean, they, a team that I thought after the start that they went off to uh, against some of the, the worst teams in the league. And then they came in and played the Browns, Browns beat them. I'm like, see Baltimore is not quite as good as we all thought they were. And then they proved me wrong since they've been on fire. On the 49ers side, as I was mentioning, they don't have that much of an easier matchup. Baltimore's defense has also really improved uh, since earlier in the season. That Marcus Peters uh, trade has really kind of helped out that secondary. 23rd against the running backs, 22nd against the wide receivers. So they are in the back half. They are doing really good jobs on defense. So for that, for me, it's just Debo and Kittle are the only players that I can trust. We've seen your guy Debo take a big step the past couple weeks, even with Sanders there, and it's really kind of become the outlet guy for Jimmy G. And then Kittle is just, he's phenomenal. You have to have him in your lineup. I don't know if he has a huge game here, but I think he's still going to be one of the main keys for this offense. Uh, outside of Debo and Kittle, do you trust anybody for San Francisco? I, I feel like you've got to trust that Shanahan scheme and Tevin Coleman. All right. Uh, And I guess I'm saying Coleman because he's the starter. Yeah. So I expect he's going to get the most touches. You know, Breda looks good when he plays. Mostert looks good when he plays. Jeff Wilson looks good when he plays. And so expecting them to um, ride – Coleman for at least 50% of the touches is probably a reasonable expectation. And 
because they they because they can run the ball as well as they can, I I think that they're going to try to make sure that they, uh, for lack of a better term, establish the run. Uh, you know, they're going to give uh, Tevin Coleman an opportunity to make some plays, mm-hmm. uh, and then that will help open up. You know, Debo and Kittle, or Debo and Kittle will help open up uh, the running game some. But Shanahan, he's not going to go away from his zone blocking run game just because he's playing a Baltimore defense that's almost as good as the defense he has yeah. that he practices against every day. I agree with that. Who are you picking to win, the Ravens or the 49ers? Man. Man, man, that's a tough one. Uh, it's a coin flip, and I guess I'm I'm gonna go Ravens. It's a coin flip for me as well, and I'm taking the, I'm taking the 49ers just because I think that defensive line is gonna disrupt them just enough. I I'm calling it now. I think Nick Bosa just makes one play at the end of the game that ends up winning them the game. On on a Lamar Jackson driving down the field, looks like they're gonna win it. Bosa makes that one play that ends up winning the 49ers a game. Could be a possible Super Bowl preview. These teams have been that good. Speaking of a team that was in the Super Bowl just last year, the Los Angeles Rams are going up against the Arizona Cardinals. Rams are getting 2.5 points in this one and the 53% chance to win this game. On the Rams side, the Cardinals, 10th most against the running backs, 10th most against the wide receivers. So they can get beat either way. I guess it just kind of depends on how you want to do it. That being said, I, for me, it's Gurley and uh, Woods. I think are going to have good games. I obviously trust Cooper Cup as well. But going up against this defense, do you think it's a bounce-back game for all of their players? We do know Gerald Everett is out. Arizona has been a team that you can beat at the tight end position. So are you firing up Tyler Higby as well for the Rams? Yeah, I, I don't hate the Higby play, especially given the landscape of the tight end position. Um he, he showed the last couple weeks, uh, you know, and they signed him to an extension before they signed Everett. So they, they like Higby. They, I think they recognize what he brings as a two way tight end and, and they're not afraid to play it. Given that it's the Cardinals and their trouble they've had with the tight end position. I almost think you got to put Higby out there. All right, and on the Cardinals side here, uh, Rams 13th against the run, 20th against the wide receivers. Uh, for me, I think Kyler Murray, who, who has been phenomenal so far this season, uh, you can play. He, he's proven to be a top 12 quarterback almost every single week. Uh, and I do like Christian Kirk as well this week. I think he'll be a good play at wide receiver. The big question I want to ask you is Kenyon Drake. We've seen that he has moved ahead of DJ on uh, their their depth chart. Now, whether or not that really means anything, I guess, is up for debate. But we also know that Chase Edmonds is coming back, and they have come out and said that they plan on playing Chase Edmonds some as well. So do you trust Drake as a possible high-end running back this week against a team that can get beat by the run? Well. I don't think you should trust any of the Cardinals running backs for anything higher than a flex play. Okay. Uh, I just think it's it right now it's too random and we just don't know what's going on there. Um, I, I think if DJ was truly fully healthy, I think he'd be the starter. There's, there's, yeah, I don't, you know, much like the girly situation last year. I think there's way, way more to this that we don't know that, they're they're not telling us 
And it's because they don't, I think they're right at the edge of what we have to disclose to the league. And, and so that therefore we're not breaking any rules. Um, I, my, my concern with Drake, he's shown he can do it. Uh, but Edmonds was there all season. And when they played him, he produced and, Maybe there's going to be some sense of loyalty to give Edmonds the shot, yeah. whether it's misplaced or not. Uh, I'd love to be able to say, as somebody who has been a big fan of Kenyon Drake for a couple of years now, that they're going to roll him out there. He's going to be the starter. DJ will be the emergency guy, and Edmonds will just spell him when Drake waves his hand. That's not. I, I don't have any faith that that's going to happen. So I think you. If I'm playing them in order, I'm playing them Drake, Edmonds, and Johnson. Okay. And the highest I'm expecting right now, uh, I would play Drake expecting that he's going to get me flex numbers. But that's really the top end of it. Uh, I, I actually I, like that call. I could be wrong. but No, I, I actually agree with you on that because we have seen Edmonds, even really before DJ kind of moved toward that being hurt path, we saw Edmonds getting more and more playing time. And that DJ, talk, I mean, it's – it's going to make for a very interesting offseason with DJ because there was obviously a lot of talks that he might have been traded at the trade deadline. So hearing more once we get toward the end of the offseason or into the offseason, what might happen with him is just really going to be fascinating. Who are you picking to win this one, the Rams or the Cardinals? I think uh, I'm going to go with the Cardinals. That's who I'm taking as well, actually. I think Kyler Murray gets another win under his belt. Next up, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Denver Broncos. The Chargers are getting three points in this one and being given the 55% chance to win this game. On the Chargers side, playing a very good defense, a defense that was really bad against the run the first three weeks of the season. They have completely turned it around. They are giving up just 20, 21 points there against, or 21st against the running back, 25th against the wide receiver. So it's a really tough matchup both ways, but I think on the Chargers side, you have to play your studs in Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, and Keenan Allen, and Hunter Henry. I always forget about Hunter Henry. You are a big Mike Williams fan. We have seen him come on the past couple weeks. Are you willing to throw Williams in your flex spot in a tough matchup this week? Uh, yeah. I, you know, I think at that at this point, uh, again, I'm going to refer back to I don't know that I'm going to have many better options than Williams. The the touchdown regression for Williams has been immense. Yeah. Uh, he has not produced near the level I thought he would this year. Some of that, I think, is Phillip Rivers. I'd say Some 70% of it is, is the is offense Rivers. being just out of uh, sorts with Melvin Gordon holding out and, you know, Austin Eckler dominating the passing touches from the running back position. So it's it's really been just kind of a uh, – it's been a weird season for the Chargers. Yeah. I, I like Williams' talent, but I I think if you play him, you're playing him just – you're playing him based on what could be, not what you know will happen. I like that, actually. That's a, that's a very good way of putting it. On the Broncos' side, the Chargers, uh, eighth most against the running backs, but 29th against the wide receivers. So I think Lindsey is in for a big day. And regardless of the tough matchups for wide receivers, I think you have to play Cortland Sutton. 
because he has just been balling out there. I am a little worried that we will see Drew Locke out there. There's not been confirmed if he will or will not play. So it could be Brandon Allen, could be Drew Locke. Regardless, I think Sutton has proved that he can play with anybody and is a top wide receiver. Uh, what about you? Uh, anybody else you're playing, or is it just those two guys for the Broncos offense for you as well? Yeah, I think they're they're the two that I'm, I'm gonna that I start without reservation. Uh, Drew Locke is going to start. Uh, I feel confident in saying that. Uh, I don't have any insider knowledge, but he's been getting a, a ton of first team reps. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's healthy, and I think they need to put him out there to see uh, how ready he can be and what he can do. So I'm. I feel pretty confident that Drew Locke is going to be the starter. Uh, All right. I don't know what that means against uh, a good Chargers defense, but you drafted the guy that high. Uh, he's been in the system now for three months behind the scenes, and while he may not have been able to get as many physical reps as you would have liked because he was injured, you got to think he knows that playbook inside and out by now. Yeah, uh, He's got a good arm. He, he A major college star so it's not like he you know coming from a small college and didn't play top competition Missouri played some pretty tough competition in college so he he's at at this point you got to put him in and expect he's gonna play and expect he's gonna play well um much like David Blau and my philosophy with Kenny Galladay <laughs> I I think that uh, Cortland Sutton is gonna get all the ca- targets he can handle tomorrow yeah, I would love to see Locke out there. Me and, uh, as you know, Matt is a big Broncos fan, so we've talked about it a little bit here and there uh, when we've been breaking down the games on the Monday podcast that both of us have said we'd love to see Locke get out there for the rest of the season just to see what you have from him. I, I was someone who was higher on him than others uh, coming out in this quarterback class last year. I think he can be a good quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he's elite, but he can be, I think, in that second tier. Uh, and if he's not, you can draft another quarterback this year. I don't know if you'd want to because this quarterback class has really kind of taken a nosedive uh, this year from what we thought it was going to be. Uh, but I would love to see Locke out there. I'm with you. I think regardless uh, whether he is that good or not, I think he's going to be able to get Sutton the ball. Who are you picking to win, the Chargers or the Broncos? I'm going to go with the Chargers. As am I. Next up, Raiders and Chiefs. A a pivotal game for the Raiders here. Kansas City is getting 11 points, and they are being given the 90% chance to win this game. On the Chiefs side here, they are going up against a defense that is giving up the 11th most points to the running back, 7th most to the wide receivers. So you know that you're being able to beat them on the back end. On the running back side, I personally am not trusting any of these guys. We know that Damian Williams is likely going to be out, so it's going to be Shady McCoy and Darrell Williams. While it's not a horrible matchup, I just don't know if you can trust either one of them. For me, on the wide receiver side, I'm just throwing out Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I think they both have huge games. And if you're looking for a flyer to throw in your flex, I actually think Nicole Hardman could have a big game here. What are you doing with these Chiefs offense and these Chiefs players? Well, uh, Damian Williams is confirmed out. That's okay. why I have to start Ronald Jones in the league. Gotcha. Um, It'll be better for so, you anyways, buddy. Trust me. Rojo's yeah, the king. Yeah, king I, you know, if I could get rid of both of them <laughs> at a reasonable price, I would. Well, I, um, I kind of understand that part as well. 
it, it's I, I I think with you know with Patrick Mahomes and, and that Chiefs offense, I don't know that the running back situation or who's back there really matters that much. Whoever it is is going to get the same amount of work that whoever was supposed to be there was going to get. So it's going to be Shady McCoy with Daryl Williams backing him up. Shady's going to get his 12 or 14 carries, uh, probably four or five targets, uh, unless he fumbles, in which case uh, Daryl Williams will get his 12 or 14 carries and four or five targets. Uh, it's going to be Kelsey. It's going to be Tyreek Hill. You know, the, the hard part for me is what happens with – uh, Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson. Those yeah. two guys are just so hit or miss. This is a division game, uh, a big rivalry. And for them to go through the inconsistency that they do. And it's, and it's not like Mahomes says, Oh, well, I'm going to have a game where he only throws the ball 20 times. It's like he'll throw 40 passes a game. And you just don't know what's going to happen with Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins. You know, they, they, they are just so unreliable. So I, you know, start them at your peril. Um, I, if I'm picking between the two of them, I'm going Watkins because he's the starter, but it's, it's a rough call there. You know, Tyreek is Tyreek. And unless his hamstring flares up, um, He's going to be out there, and he's going to get his dozen targets, ten targets, and he he'll make some plays, probably get a touchdown. All right, who are you picking to win, the Raiders or the Chiefs? Oh, we didn't even do the Raiders side. I guess we should talk about them. They are going up against a Chiefs defense that is giving up the number one points against the running back, 26 against the wide receivers, so they can be run on, uh, but are very good at slowing down wide receivers for me. Obviously, that means Jacob is likely in line for a monster game, had a really bad week last week, but has been a very good running back so far this year. Outside of him, I would trust Darren Waller, as we've both talked about many times on here today. Tight end is just kind of a wasteland out of those top guys. Waller has been kind of in and out of being a top-tier tight end here the past couple weeks, but I would take him uh, in this contest. What about you for the Raiders? Well, I'm pretty comfortable with Tyrell Williams, too. I think... Okay. uh, they're going to, uh, unless they decide they're going to start Mike Glennon, Derek Carr is going to be looking to sort of redeem himself. So he's going to want to play a good game. Josh Jacobs, it's going to be the Josh Jacobs show and then all you others. But I think those others are going to be Waller, like you said, and then Tyrell Williams uh, with Hunter Renfro out, that safety blanket. Uh, Somebody's going to have to fall into that, and it's likely going to be Waller. So that leaves Zay Jones and uh, Marcel Aitman and Tyrell Williams, and Williams Williams is the best of those uh, those wide receivers. So I feel like he's going to have a, a good game. Uh, the Chiefs are going to score points, and so the Raiders are going to have to try to keep up. And that being said. That means Carr is going to have to throw, and he's got to throw it to somebody besides Derek Carr, um, and that's going to be Tyrell Williams. All right, fair enough. Who are you picking to win this one, the Chiefs or the Raiders? I'm going to roll with the Chiefs. As am I. Next up, we've got the Sunday night football game between the New England Patriots and the Houston 
Texans should be uh, another probably one of the better matchups on the weekend. Let's see here. The Patriots are getting 3.5 points in this one and being given the 54% chance to win this game. They are going up against a defense that should not give them much trouble. The Texans, 12th most points against the running backs, 11th most against the wide receivers. We saw Sony Michelle get a ton of work last week. I personally still am not really trusting him, although if you're looking for a running back with some upside, he would be a good play. For me, it's just Julian Edelman in the Patriots offense. Who are you playing on the Patriots? Well, I I think James White and Sony Michelle have both established a fairly consistent production value. Um, neither one of them are, are you know, going to give you a ton of production because they split the the one job. So Sony's going to probably give you 16 carries for 70 yards or so, um, which will give you that seven or eight point floor. If he catches a pass, great. James James White, he's going to give you those eight, nine targets, probably six or seven catches for 35 or 40 yards. Um, and either, either one of them could score a touchdown. So they're both going to have – uh, an established floor, I feel. And so you kind of slot that in at one of your lower level flexes. Most of our leagues are pretty deep and have two, yeah. three, sometimes even four flexes. So in our leagues, we're playing them. Um, in, in your typical, you know, two running back, three wide receiver, one flex league, uh, you probably have the luxury of not having to worry about playing either one of them. Uh, I think the bigger question for me is going to be outside of Edelman what's going to happen between Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers um, I, I think both of those guys are sort of starting to establish something mm-hmm. what you know they're, they're the four target guys what are they going to do with their four targets is one of them going to, you know, break off a 40 or 50 yard run or catch with their four? Are they going to catch a 40 or 50 yard pass, especially with Philip Dorsett out? You know, Harry's got good speed. He's the faster of the, the three wide receivers, him, Edelman, and, and uh, uh, Myers. So the potential is there for Harry to do some of that work down the field um, when the opportunity presents himself. The question is going to be will he convert it? Fair enough. On the Texans side here, they're going up against, obviously, the best defense still in the league. 32nd against the running back, 32nd against the wide receivers. Uh, For me, I think that means, at least in my opinion, you're not playing Duke or Hyde this week unless absolutely necessary. You can still play Deshaun Watson, as I do think he's got that playmaking ability that can still make your fantasy day. But what about Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins? Chances are you're playing Hopkins due to just draft capital and him being one of the best wide receivers in the league is going up against Stephon Gilmore, who we have seen shut down wide receivers all season long. Will Fuller had a huge game last week. Looks like he is back and healthy. Are you playing either, neither, or both of them? I'm definitely going to play Hopkins. I mean, I, I get it that Stefan Gilmore uh, is a shutdown corner. Um, I think one of the, the big differences, I think, between DeAndre Hopkins and Amari Cooper is that Cooper is the bigger of the two wide receivers. 
But Hopkins plays bigger of the two of them. And I think that while it's going to be a battle between Gilmore and Hopkins, and I don't, I by no means do I expect, you know, one of these 10 catch, 190 yard, two touchdown games from DeAndre Hopkins. If anybody is going to get Stephon Gilmore, it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm, I'm okay to, to take that chance. I don't disagree with you. I'm going to ask you a lineup question about that then before we get out of here because I have Hopkins and I'm debating on whether or not I should leave him in my lineup or not. Who are you picking to yes. win this one? Yeah, well, you'll let me give you my options first and then we'll discuss. Uh, who are you picking to win, the Patriots or the Texans? I, I'm taking the Patriots as, as much. I mean, yeah, oh, I, I, I sat well. Deshaun Watkins for Dak Prescott in uh, – or huh? Deshaun Watson – for Dak Prescott in, in one of my big money leagues. That probably is not going to turn out to be a bad decision on your part with what Dak did. The Monday Night Football game should also be a really good game here. The Minnesota Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle is getting three points, but Minnesota is being given the 52% chance to win this game. Minnesota is going up against a good Seattle defense, 22nd most points against the running backs, 18th most against the wide receiver. With that being said, Cook is still in your lineup. He is still an RB1. Even if he doesn't get you much on the ground, the receiving work he gets alone is likely going to make in for a big day. It does look like Adam Thielen could be out again. So if he is, are you trusting in Stefan Diggs? Um, I I think you have to. Okay. Uh, I, I, Diggs is, Diggs is one of those players that is infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's infuriating because he's really talented. Yes. And a lot of times, I, you know, Diggs will underproduce and it might not always be Diggs's issue. I don't disagree with that part actually as well. So Kirk is having a, a great year and, and, Overall, I think Cousins has played really well this year. But sometimes sometimes you just can't buy a completion with that guy. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, and that's the worst part about it. I, I'm, I'm with you. I do think he's obviously going to... Uh, get the tougher coverages and everything, but I just don't know if you can trust in, in Ola B.C. Johnson or anybody else. Diggs, we've seen, has had really good games uh, just a couple weeks ago. I can't remember who they were playing, but it was a tough matchup for him, and he still ended up coming through for you big uh, in that matchup. Uh, it was the week that I got the pie bet and I lost because I can't remember who they were playing, but we talked about it on the pod, and we both agreed uh, with the matchup that he was going to get that we didn't think he was going to have a big game. And then, of course, he goes off and, and causes me to lose the pie bet there. On the Seattle side here, they're going up against a Vikings defense that is really good against the run, 26 most points against the running back, but six against the wide receiver. So with that being said, uh, your guy, Rashad Penny, obviously had a huge game last week uh, due to Carson's fumbling issues. He got benched. Don't know if he continues to be benched either way. I don't think I trust either one of them going up against the Vikings or with them being in the situation that they're in. If I could, I would avoid both of them. 
with them going up against a team that can be beat in the air. I think it's a good game for Metcalf and Lockett, though I am worried that Lockett could still be struggling a little bit from what was a very serious leg injury just a couple weeks ago that ended him that landed him in the hospital. I don't think from what we saw last week that he is fully healed from that, so I would not be surprised if he doesn't have a big game here, but it is set up for him and Metcalf to come through big. What do you think about Seattle? I know you're a penny guy. What are your thoughts on the running backs and the wide receivers in this matchup? You know, I I feel like I, as a penny truther, I want to believe. But as a penny truther, for as long as I've been a penny truther, I feel like last week was a mirage. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe, that it's finally sunk into Rashad Penny that 99% of the time, if you run the play as it's called and blocked, you're going to get positive yardage. Yeah. You know, he's been bigger and faster and more athletic than everybody else for so long and able to get away with some of the things that he does. You know, even at San Diego State, he was bigger and faster and stronger and could get away with all that reversing the field stuff. I mean, he's a great pass catcher. He's fast. He's got good vision. You got to have decent vision to be able to see that stuff to spin around and get away from it. But sometimes, man, you just got to take your four yards and go go to the next play. And and I, I think... Maybe he's finally getting that. Uh, and if he gets that, I think it it doesn't uh, bode well for Chris Carson because as, as much as I like Chris Carson and as steady as Chris Carson is, man, Rashad Penny is explosive. Yeah, he is. And, uh, I agree. And so I, if, any, if any coach, though, is the real wild card about what could happen. It's Pete Carroll. I mean, Chris Carson could start next week, this week. He could take the, you know, be in for the first play, take the first carry, and that'd be the last we see of him. Yeah. All or right. no. Rashad Penny might never see the field. Yeah, that is, that is very true. That is the infuriating part of Pete Carroll. Who are you picking to win this game, the Seahawks or the Vikings? Uh, I'm going to go with the Vikings. As am I. All right, before we cut out of here, here's my lineup conundrum, and this is what I'm, I'm worried about here. So I don't really need a win this week. I'm, I'm locked into my playoff spot. Still don't want to go in losing, right? So I'm still trying to set a very competitive lineup. Right now, it's uh, just your standard two running backs, two wide receivers, one flex spot. So right now, my lineup is my two wide receivers are Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins. My two running backs are Zeke and Chubb. Obviously, Zeke already playing. And then my flex spot is Saquon Barkley. I'm obviously not pulling Barkley out of my flex spot. He's got a great matchup. My conundrum is I'm debating on switching out Hopkins with Odell. That That is my thought process because I do think Odell has the better matchup. But Hopkins has been Hopkins all season long where Odell really hasn't. So that's kind of where I'm at. So Hopkins or Odell, who would you start? I To me, I'm still starting Hopkins. Okay. And the question for me is between Odell and Adams. 
Ah, Adams has got the better matchup. I'm definitely going Adams. Adams has got, I think, like a top three matchup this week, and we talked about earlier. I think, uh, uh, I, I think him and him and Aaron Jones are going to have a huge game this week in, in our in the matchup. I'm trying to remember. We just talked about him. I can't get the the Giants and the Giants secondary's just got awful. So uh, I would rather him going up against the Giants than Odell going up against the Steelers secondary because I don't necessarily trust that matchup as much. Fair enough. All right. Well, Dennis, obviously, thank you so much for joining me today. I always enjoy our, our Friday episodes of going over all these games. Much uh, luck to you. I wish you all the, the best luck and hope you win all of your matchups this weekend. And I hope you enjoy your weekend. I look forward to talking to you next week, buddy. Right on. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play?